0: John chapter 3, this morning we're going to look at two verses, really three verses uh, here in the middle of the chapter of John And remember where we are going, we're we're coming through the book of John and, And right now Jesus is having his conversation with the Pharisee Nicodemus Last week we were talking about what Jesus said to Nicodemus about being born again And the fact that you must be born again, as a matter of fact, he repeated that three times And whenever something is repeated in the Scripture three times, you know how serious it is. You see, the Scripture says there's no other way for us to be born of God but to be born again. There's no other way for us into the kingdom of God but through the door that is Jesus our Savior. He gave His life for us so that we could have our redemption, we could have reconciliation with our God. So He says... Jesus says, you must be born again. First, we're born physically, and He says, you're born of the water. And then He says, you must also be born of the Spirit. Because we, in our sinful nature, are born dead spiritually. We are born dead spiritually. It's only when we open ourselves up to the Almighty Spirit of God that speaks to us and and convicts us of our sin, and we turn ourselves over to Him, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we are born again spiritually and that we have spiritual eyes to see what God wants us to do and how He wants us to be. Now, at the end of our time together last week, we were talking about Jesus speaking to Nicodemus about heavenly things. As a matter of fact, He said, No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. So Jesus started out talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus, of course, he turned to him and said, you're from God because nobody can, can do the things that you do lest they are from God. And Jesus starts talking about him needing to be born again. Then he moves on and says this, look, I want to tell you so many things, that, but you can't comprehend them right now. You're not, you're not grasping everything. right. The, the foundation hasn't been laid far enough for you to start building yet. So he tells Nicodemus, how is it that I talk to you about earthly things and you don't understand? Therefore, if I tell you heavenly things, how will you understand that? But then he turns right around and he tells Nicodemus his whole purpose. In these next few verses, he explains to Nicodemus not only what's going to happen, but he tells him the very reason that he came to this earth so that we could have redemption. Listen to these verses this morning. Verses 14, 15, and 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, the first thing he said, he says, I must be lifted up. I must be lifted up. So this morning, we're going to be talking about Jesus being lifted up. He speaks about Moses and the wilderness journey of the Israelites, and then he applies that to himself and said, I must be lifted up. You see... It all going to, it's all going to come down to this. Have you lifted up Jesus? Have you allowed Him onto the throne of your life? Have you given Him His rightful place? This morning, have you lifted up Jesus? Let's pray together, please. Fathers, we bow before You. We come to You humbly, Lord, because we understand who we are and who You are. Father, You are creator and sustainer of all. You are the, the lover of our soul. You are the one and true God. We are Your creation. We are just specks in Your universe, the universe of Your creation. But You love us. Your Word tells us of Your love and, and Explains how vast it is for us. So this morning, Father, help us to comprehend that love. Help us to accept it. And help us to put you where you rightly belong. At the forefront of our attention, our love, our lives. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Being lifted up, Jesus says he must be lifted up. The first thing he says, though, is he brings Nicodemus' attention back to the Old Testament Scriptures, back to the Old Testament story, where the, the true story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt and what was going on. You can turn with me to Numbers chapter 21. And in Numbers chapter 21, we get the account of where Moses and the Israelites were in the wilderness and something happened. And Jesus said it this way, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So we go there, and we start to look at this bronze serpent. This bronze serpent. In Numbers chapter 21, beginning in verse 4, is speaking of the Israelites, and it says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the, for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived." So now the story is is this. The people were coming out of Egypt and they were encountering the wilderness. And the scripture says the first thing that happened was they were, of course, they were stiff necked, hard headed, hard hearted. And God had put them through some tests and they were complaining and grumbling. The scripture says they were discouraged. You see, their their idea probably was God brought us out of Egypt. He needs to take us straight into the promised land so we can start doing what we want to do and having what we want to have and all those things. You see, God wasn't doing it their way. And they got discouraged. God wasn't doing it quick enough. They got discouraged. So whenever they got discouraged, they started complaining about God's provision. And that is a crime. They started, God was giving them bread from heaven. Every morning, they would go out, and as the dew settled, there would be bread, flakes of bread there. They would gather up enough for themselves, their family, whomever, and they would be able to cook it and eat it. Didn't cost them anything. All it cost them was a little time to go pick it up and cook it and eat it. And the scripture says they loathed it. They hated it. They couldn't stand God's provision. But the real thing was, they just wasn't happy with it. It was nourishing, it was free, it was everything that they needed, but it wasn't what they wanted. And they complained against God. They looked at Moses, why did you bring us out of Egypt? Think about that for a moment. Why did you rescue us from slavery where we were working from dawn till dark and we still wasn't meeting our quota and we were getting beaten and all those things. We had to, we, everything we did was for the Egyptians. Why did you bring us out of that wonderful place? And now we're out here and we don't have a, this, this food is just bread and you know, my goodness, can't it be something else? Why not give us some melons? Why not give us some meat? Why not give us other things to eat, but just, just bread. And by the way, you're not leading us anywhere. We're wandering around in the wilderness. And God heard it. And God says, you know what? If you don't like what I'm giving you, try this. And he sent snakes in the midst. And they were being beaten, bitten, and they were dying from the bite. Bridget and I had this conversation the other day about, you know, if we were God. Because somebody makes us mad. If, if, if I were God and somebody was doing something that they shouldn't be doing, zap and they'd be gone. Right? I mean, we, we talked about that. It's a good thing God's not like me because there would be a whole lot less people in the world. Some people with the crimes that you hear about people doing and the things that you hear about people saying, you know what? Some of the people need to be shut up. So I would think zap they couldn't talk anymore. And then if they tried to write it down, zap, they couldn't write anymore. But that's me. I'm praising the Lord that He's not like me. Because, you see, these folks were complaining, and instead of wiping them all out, He only took a few. He sent some things into their life because they were committing a sin against Him. They were grumbling and complaining about His provision. And by the way, if you don't love the Lord, you won't love His provision for you. If you're not looking for what God's doing in your life, you'll never see it. And you'll never praise Him for what He has done in your life. Now, Moses, the people came to Moses after the the serpents were out there and they were... They were starting to bite people, and people were dying. And the people came back to Moses and said, Hey, Moses, we're sorry. We know what we did. We did it again, as a matter of fact. We're complaining one more time. And, and Moses had already told them, You're not complaining against me. You're complaining against the Lord. So the first thing they said is, We have complained, and we have uh, gone contrary to the Lord. And you, Moses. So please pray for us that something be done about this. You see, what they had was the, all the, the things that they were doing was sins against God, and God sent consequences for them to have to face because of the bad things, that, wrong things that they were doing before God. Hey, and by the way, when we do wrong things against God, when we do wrong things and we know that they're wrong things, there's going to be consequences for what we do. Yeah, we, we're, we're going to go back. Hopefully and prayerfully, we'll go back and, and ask God to forgive us. We will request His cleansing and ask for His forgiveness. But we'll still have to deal with the consequences of what we do. So be careful what you get involved in. Because down the road, there are consequences. Everything may be gravy right now, but sooner or later, it won't be. It's going to be bad, and there's consequences to face. So the people came to Moses and and they said, pray for us that the Lord would take away the serpents from us. So uh, Moses went to the Lord and and the Lord told him, make a fiery serpent, put it up on a pole, and everybody that looks at it will be healed from the snake bite. Now, Moses had this fiery serpent cast in bronze and he put it up on a pole. So how did it heal people when they looked at it? Did they have to touch it? Nope. They had to look at it and realize that God told them to do it that way. Now, it made no no sense physically for you to look at a snake on a pole out across the way or close by and look at that snake and you could be healed from the bite. Absolutely nonsense in the physical world. But with God, all things are possible. So you see, Moses put this snake up there, the serpent, and people started looking at it. And after they had been bitten, they they looked at it and were healed from the bite. So was it the snake that healed them? No. It was God who had done it because they were being obedient to what God told them to do. They had faith that God would heal them when they looked at the snake. But imagine this. You've been bitten by a snake and and you are hurting bad. You're on the road downhill and you're about to to kick the bucket. You're you're feeling so bad and somebody tells you all you have to do is look at the snake. Look at the the bronze serpent. God said, if you just look at it, you'll be healed. No, I don't believe it. No, I'm not going to look at it. No, how can that be? That makes no sense. You see, I don't believe God, so I'm not even going to look at it. So what would happen with that person? They would die. Because of their unbelief, because of their faithlessness in God, because they would not be obedient to what God told them to do. Instead of accepting the cure, they would reject God and His cure. They had already rejected Him, by the way, whenever they wouldn't accept God's leadership, whenever they wouldn't accept God's way, uh, His provision, all of those things. They were already in opposition to God. It just played out this way. So those who were bitten and didn't look at the cure were not healed. But those who did were healed because of God's power And their faith in God's power. And faith in what God said. God said, look at the snake, look at the serpent, you'll be healed. They did in obedience and were healed. The bronze serpent was lifted up in the wilderness as a cure, as a help for the people who were about to die, who had been bitten by the snake, and they received life. And Jesus compares himself to the bronze serpent. You see, first of all, he says, just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So first we looked at the bronze serpent, but now we're going to look at the Son of Man being lifted up. Jesus said, just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, when the people were being delivered out of slavery, when they had been bitten, when they had been disobedient, a promise, a hope, a cure had been brought to them, and all they had to do was look upon it, accept God's provision for themselves, and they could be healed. And now Jesus comes to His people in Jerusalem, He's talking to the Pharisee. And he's saying, I have to be lifted up. I must be lifted up. I must be lifted up, just like the serpent in the wilderness. Uh, Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 32. This is what Jesus said. If I am lifted up from the earth will draw all peoples to myself. See, in John chapter 3, he says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. And he said, if I am, knowing that he would, he wouldn't say if, as if there's a possibility that he wouldn't. He says, if I am lifted up, when I am lifted up, when you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. Jesus was letting Nicodemus know about his whole purpose. He came, lived a sinless life so that he could be the, the, sacrificial, the sacrifice for all people. He told him how he was going to die on a pole. Just like the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness, Jesus was going to be on a pole. And he said, I must be lifted up. His whole purpose, the reason for him to come was to follow the will of God, being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Go back to Psalm chapter 22 and and read these these things. Now, Psalm 22 was written by the the shepherd David. And listen to what he said in verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is that familiar? Why does that that, that ring a bell for us? What did Jesus say while he was on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then you go over to verse 6, 7, and 8 of Psalm 22. It says, But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him, and let him deliver him, since he delights in him. What happened to Jesus while he was on the cross? He said that the people wagged their head at him, and, and they spat And they clapped their hands, which was all signs of derision. And they mocked Him, saying, You think that you're the Son of God? You said you were a Son of God. God, come down now and show us that it's true. What Jesus did was fulfill Scripture that was written many years before He was born by the King David. Look at verse 16, 17, and 18 of Psalm 22. For the dogs have surrounded me. You see, the, uh, the Romans were considered by the Jewish people as Roman dogs. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. You see, this is a prophecy of what would happen to the Messiah in the days to come. David wrote this knowing nothing about crucifixion. And yet, when Christ was on the cross, these are the exact things that happened. See, Jesus said this, I must go to the cross. I must be lifted up. His purpose, the plan all along had been for Him to be lifted up. Then go to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 4. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. The ending of verse 8, For the transgressions of my people... He was stricken. Verse 10, Yet it ple- pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when, he make, when you make his soul an offering for sin. Verse 11, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. and his servant, my righteous servant, uh, and, by, and by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah was talking about the Lord Jesus and about what he would accomplish when he came into the world. Jesus says, I must be lifted up. It's the purpose of all things that I come and be crucified. Going back to Isaiah chapter 1, this is God speaking through the the prophet to the people. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil from your doings from before your eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. God speaking to the people, He's saying, look, let's talk about this thing. If you're obedient, if you follow Me, if you do it My way, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel... You shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus had said, Son of man must be lifted up. Must be lifted up. I'm going to the cross. He had told his disciples, I'm going into Jerusalem, and you see what's going to happen? is I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be uh, crucified by the people. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He knew what his purpose was. And he told Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up. Must be. John chapter 19, verse 28 and 30. 28 through 30. Now after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. You see, Jesus, whenever he was baptized by John the Baptist, John says, I I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. Jesus says, let it be so for now because this is what needs to happen in order to fulfill righteousness. And then here he says, he knew that all the scripture had been fulfilled. His purpose was already laid out for him. He knew the path that he was supposed to take. He was following God and he told Nicodemus, I must be lifted up. He prayed in the garden, Father, Father, if there's any other way for us to accomplish this purpose, let's do that. But if not, your will be done. He said, Lord, if there's any other way, let's do that. But if not, your will be done. Jesus said, I must be lifted up. The Son of Man Must. So then this leaves us in John chapter 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we've looked at the bronze serpent, and we looked at the Son of Man, and now what we're looking at in verse 14, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 15, is the everlasting choice that we all have to make. The eternal choice that we have to make. It says, whoever believes in Him, in the Son of Man. Jesus said that He was the Son of Man which came down from heaven for this very purpose to be lifted up and that when we believe in Him, we can have eternal life in Him. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. See, the choice is ours. Because we, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, we have committed crimes against God. We have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. We have all messed up, missed the mark. We are not who we should be. None of us. The best of the best. Not even close. I explained it to a man this way one time. I said, you know, he says, I'm better than so-and-so down the road. And I said, yeah, you're right. I said, in a rock-throwing contest, I said, you might be able to throw a rock further than I can. But if we're aiming at New York City, it makes no difference how far you can throw a rock because you'll never get there. You'll never hit it. And that's the whole thing about us trying to to outdo somebody else, for us to gauge ourselves against someone else. You see, we may be better than them as far as we see things, but as far as God sees it, you know what? We're all sinful humans. There are none righteous. No, not one. You may be able to throw a rock further than me, but you still can't hit New York City. So it doesn't matter how good you are. All it matters is what God thinks of you. What God says about you. All sinful. All unrighteous. But then he turns and he says, you know, there's going to be consequences for those sins. We've committed our crimes. And the consequences are we have to live out in this body the the consequences of our sin. We don't like to admit that. We want to tell everybody when we come in on Sunday, yes, I'm doing fine, everything's wonderful, my life is great, look how good I look today. Isn't everything wonderful? But you know, when we get down to brass tacks, when, we hit, when the rubber meets the road, we're all hurting. We're all messed up, no matter how good we look on Sunday. We're just variations of how messed up we are. Now, there's some messed up more than me. I would call their names, but I'm not going to do that this morning. But there's some who are further along than me too. So I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of the midst. I mean, everybody, we're we're on the same road together. Our consequences are still being played out. Because we've committed crimes. But guess what? <laughs> Praise God, there's a cure. Praise the Lord that we have an opportunity. To be okay with God and our sins can be wiped away and forgotten. We won't have to pay the penalty for our crimes through the sacrifice that was made for us. Through the cure for our sinfulness. Born sinful, commit sins every day. But God says, if Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. You see, that means me personally, I have to lift Jesus up in order for there to be hope for me. I have to put Jesus on the throne of my life and worship Him and Him alone and make sure that I am obedient to Him and Him alone. Because when I do that, when I give Him my life, whenever I ask Him to forgive me of my sins, He does that and He makes me okay with God. He redeems me. He brings me out of the pit, out of the darkness and into the light out of death and into life. That's what He does when I lift Him up. But you see, I have to lift Him up. He must be lifted up. He was put on the cross for me. He went to the cross knowing that we would be gathered here this morning and knowing that there would be lost among us, knowing that not everybody's heart would be right with Him, knowing how bad we are so that He could earn for us salvation from God. When we lift Him up. When we give Him our life, our heart, our soul. There's an everlasting choice to be made here this morning. You see, if you believe in Him, you should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's an everlasting choice to be made. Jesus said time and time again in the Old Testament Scriptures, if you've got a sermon outline, those Old Testament Scriptures talk about salvation from the Lord. And Jesus says, if you believe in Me, you shall have everlasting life. He who believes in me. Every person that makes Jesus their Lord and Savior has everlasting life. And as a matter of fact, he says, everyone whom the Father brings to him, he will by no way cast out. And when they're in the Father's hand, no one can take them out of the Father's hand. Jesus says, this choice must be made. Now. It's got to be made here in this life. Because that's that's the purpose of this life. Us realizing our need for God so that we turn to Him and accept His salvation. And when we leave this world, this world of trial and temptation and testing, when we graduate from this world, we go home to be with Him forever and ever. Or if we don't lift Him up, we flunk out. We don't graduate. This is the best it gets here and now, and it gets a whole lot worse after this life. Jesus told Nicodemus, I must be lifted up just like the serpent was because the serpent was the cure for the snake bite. And Jesus says, when I'm lifted up, I will be the cure for sin. I will be the cure for hell. I will be the cure for eternal punishment if people look to Jesus. I had a gentleman not long ago talking about church. He said, yes, I believe the same things that they believe, but I never joined the church. It's not about joining the church. It is about lifting Jesus up. He said this, I am the Son of God. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And if you don't lift Him up, if you don't put Him on the throne of your heart and your life, the consequences for your sin have not been paid. And the punishment for your sin will be on your shoulders. Each one of us has a question to answer. Will you lift up Jesus? You're sick with sin, just like you've been bitten by a snake and about to die. If you had, let's go back two years. If you had COVID, the first one, The one that everybody ran from, and the one that that made everybody so sick. If you had COVID and the doctor told you, you're going to die, and I was standing beside your bedside and said, I've got the cure right here. All you have to do is take it. What would you do? Would you reach up and say, I'll take it? I want it. I need it. I've got to have it, or I'm going to die. This morning, the same thing is happening. You're dead and dying. Your your illness is your sin. You're guilty. We all are. And the cure is Jesus. And He says, lift me up. Make me your Savior. Make me your Lord. Give your life to me. And I'll cure you. Not only cure you, give you a life that you can never imagine beyond this world question right remains will you accept the cure will you lift Jesus up pray with me please God how amazing you are in your love for us how you've shown it to us time and time again your love says you your word says you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us thank you father for that sacrifice Lord, our heart wants to lift Jesus up this morning and praise Him. So, Father, during our invitation time, we ask for Your will to be done for all those that are here this morning that need to be forgiven of their sins and and to have an everlasting relationship with You. Would You draw them to Yourself for forgiveness? Father, for anyone else here this morning that needs to come forward for whatever reason, I pray that You will uh, cause Your will to be done here during this time. Lord, we need you to work in our midst. And we ask for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.